about your mistakes. You f***ed up. You trusted us. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in him. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, uh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know... That's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. You talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, we're back, Saxon Jacks. I'm tomorrow, Matt Byrne, on the board. We have Greg Pappas in the studio. We'll bet we should have Jan Flanagan and Mike Mur- Murphy talking about uh, what's going on in the political arena. I mean, the war political arena. I guess there's all kinds of political arenas. And later on, we'll have Audrey Johnson talking about the real estate market, which is kind of come to a, somewhat of a halt here in Chicago. We will. We'll talk about that. Uh, it's a packed show. Yeah, the uh, and plus we have a <coughs> snow on the way, uh, mm. um, Greg and, and uh, Matt. So uh, you know what they say about uh, I don't know if I should I say, yeah podcast. I can say it. You know, with some of the back in the about last night era, mm. when everybody kind of was out at night and bringing people home with you before we had all these diseases. <laughs> um, some of the ladies told me that uh, Greg, now you should you know you, you'll. Uh, snow is a lot like sex. <laughs> How's that? Now, How's why would you say that, Matt? Yeah. Well, you uh, don't know how long it's going to last. Now, how many inches you're going to get? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That was not my original quote. It was no. from a young lady, and uh, I said, well, there you go. She was a Division Street person. Have you ever watched the movie uh, About Last Night? It's almost It was almost exactly like that. Wow, yeah. And anyway. Um, <laughs> I thought you were talking about drugs. Oh, God. No, 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 no. It's always back to drugs. Always back to drugs with this guy. <laughs> We're not sure exactly why that is. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, what do you think about, now, I can imagine you two, do two, you two, Jamokes, sitting there in a plane, and all of a sudden the door blows out, and you go, hey, what was that? Did I, did I, did I have the wrong gummy? <laughs> uh, that would have been interesting. Nobody got sucked out either, eh? They pr- did find two phones. Um, really? Did yep. they ever find the door? Um, they found the door, but after they found two phones. and uh, Were they still working? Yep. And this is the Alaskan plane we're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They f- they, and one had a charger that was ripped off still in it. Wow. God. <laughs> so uh, did they get their phones back? I don't think so. Some guy <laughs> said, hey, look what I found. And it was uh, still in airplane mode, and the screen was fine, mm. and everything was... Really? What yeah. did the thing land on? Like a... A, I don't a know. stack or what? I don't know. I think it said uh, that fell out at somewhere around 16,000 feet or something. It's got to be one of those that... Uh, that seems kind of low, but I don't know. What? Well, this thing was just going up. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> they're very lucky it wasn't higher. Oh, yeah. 
because uh, then the phone might have broke. Well, it would have been more of a more of a <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest, yeah. decompression. Plus, what everybody's sort of missing, I think everybody still their seatbelts on. If you're up higher, would, you wouldn't have. Mm, absolutely. Um, otherwise, you'd have been. Well, let's say I don't think I don't think you'd have been fine if you fell from there. You'd been a little chilly, and then you'd been dead, D E D dead. So uh, terminal velocity. How long does it take to? I don't the ground. I think you know what? Why don't you man? Why don't you look that up? I'm going to say like terminal velocity is about two twenty okay. for a human per second or something. I think if you spread yourself out, you could probably cut it back a little bit, but then I don't have to save your ass. Now this is according to uh, the speed skydiving dot uh, uh, org. Uh, it is about two hundred kilometers an hour, so about one hundred twenty miles per hour. Right, that wasn't that far off. Yeah. Except for the kilometers versus miles per hour, <laughs> yeah. hundred or one hundred twenty miles per hour. That's fast 120, enough. One hundred twenty, yeah. That's fast enough to do some damage. Definitely. What's what's uh, what's it in feet again? Five thousand two hundred eighty. Yeah. So they were approximately. Uh, Almost three. three over miles three. High. Yeah. 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 Three miles high. Was that a song or was it eight miles high? Was a song, right? <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. Chikoria had 500 miles high. Yeah. Um, so evidently the thing is a a plugged door, which I, I didn't mean, know they had. And it's, they, it's uh, what? It was covered up, though. It's not like the people yeah. knew. It just kind of blew out. And well, like, Bong's down 20 bucks, 229.19. So it's dragging the Dow down here. Dow's down 162. The SP's only down 4, and the NASDAQ's only down 4, so the... That was down pretty much because of Boeing, but uh, it's it's totally a workmanship issue. It's it's incredible because the higher you go, the more pressure inside, the, the things should get tighter, not less tight. So Carl has a uh, um, one of his buddies or somebody that he writes his uh, his uh, blog post to that he evidently it's a <coughs> it's there's a there's a final bolt that keeps it from moving, even though it shouldn't blow out no matter what. There's a bolt that keeps it from rubbing up and down. If it rubs up and down enough, you can essentially work on the on the frame long enough to where the thing could blow out, because it'll it'll just weaken it. For those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, there was a there was a Boeing plane, Alaskan Airlines, on its way from uh, I don't know, somewhere to or, to California, and uh, got up in the air, and one of the and something blew out a door, not just a window, but a door. And evidently, if you if you have that particular plane, and this is a Max Nine. Most of the maxes that are in the 737 air. 737 Max 9. Yeah, and most of the maxes that are in the air are the Max 8s. <clears throat> and they also have Max 7s and Max 9s, which obviously are a little smaller and a little bigger. But the Max 9, and there aren't many of them out there. Well, 171 is a lot more of the Max 8s. But the uh, the Max 9 can be in, I think, was it like 200, 210, 2, 220 amount of seats? 179 people on the plane at the, at well, the time. Yeah, but the, but the reason this for, for this particular door that was covered up in, depending on the seating configuration if you're under two ten, somewhere in there, if you're under 210 you don't need this thing as an exit door, so they cover it up ever sit by ever uh, sit like by an exit window or an exit door in a plane well you have to have a certain amount of those versus how many people and if, you, if your seating configuration is less than whatever this plane is, you can plug up that door and essentially have another row of seats so that's what this plane did. So it's a, it's it's a door that you would never even see. It's it's, it's behind the interior uh, trim until it blows out. Then you see it. You see, then you see the hole, right? But that would that would be a wake up call. Do you see the videos? 
There's some dude who had a video. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the hole in the door, and then there's a guy sitting there right in front of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, once once you didn't get... But if you didn't have your seatbelt on, you, you'd get sucked out. At least for... I mean, if you were, the higher you go, the more the decompression, obviously. And at 16,000 feet, the oxygen drops. But the plane probably made it down to 10,000 feet where you don't need oxygen pretty quickly, would be my guess. The pilots obviously got the thing down without any problem, but... Uh, <clears throat> you know, but then again, as they say, there's uh, no routine landings or baby deliveries, right? What do you think? Do you think they're going to give those people a refund? They're going to give them a new cell phone. <laughs> what's appropriate compensation? For your cell phone? I don't know. It depends on what's on it. Well, if somebody gets it and gets all your, you know, if you got nasty pictures and stuff on there and you, you start hacking into your friends. Well, I'd imagine they're going to buy everyone's ticket from the flight. I would think so, yeah. You think? Well, plus they went back to where they take, started. They didn't go anywhere. Would you t- would you take more passes on on the same airline? Well, <laughs> or would you say no? Thank they were interviewing some guys last night at O'Hara, saying they, they they even though I think they grounded all the Max Nines. They said well, first thing I did was check what kind of plane I was on. I was going up on that thing. I'm not big on these Maxes anyway. I'm not so sure if I want anywhere I want. I want to be on any of these Maxes. Commercial aviation is the safest yeah. safest way to travel. Yeah, yeah by well. like times four or five. Well, let's just say I'd avoid that particular plane. I'm not big on the 787s either. I'm not a fiber a fiber optic guy. I kind of like it metal. They use a little more gas, it really doesn't bother me. Just saying. It costs more. Okay. Well, whatever. Just saying, you know, I mean, the uh, those have been in the air for how many years? What was your favorite plane? Of course, you, you, don't, you didn't get to ride on some of the ones I did. What was your favorite plane? Uh, for Boeing? Well, I've been on anybody. a 777. It's pretty sweet. All right. Even the 757's pretty hot. I like that one. I think I've been on a couple 47s, too. Those Whatever. Are, those are awesome. Those are nice. Now, you can't do that. You gotta, if you want to get on a 47, you got to get on a British Air, and you got to do it pretty quick, right? Uh, they, they still run a couple I, of them, I think. I don't know. Uh, back and forth to Europe. I mean, those are the queen of the skies. We were... Uh, my buddy, John Nigerian, Dr. J... We decide we're going to uh, Europe, right? And <clears throat> he's going to do some lecturing. This is 1991-ish. Grab a Concorde. Uh, you know what? We took off from Kennedy, and on the opposite runway, going the same direction we were, the Concorde was going right with us. Was that awesome to watch that thing take off? It kind of lumbers along, lumbers along, and then all of a sudden the, the kind of needle nose goes up. It leaves the ground, and all of a sudden the thing just goes like vertical. <laughs> it was it was really something to watch. Just just the thing taking off. It was right next to us. My favorite Boeing product is the uh, that Bunker Buster, the new one that they've got. That one's sweet. If anyone wants a <laughs> wants a fun YouTube video or whatever, just check out the GBU fifty seven. It's, <laughs> it's 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 pretty ridiculous. It's meant to go like. Mike, our, or, uh, Matt, our buddy Mike is having trouble with the link. Very, very deep into... So kind of track him down. Hey, I got a, one for you. Our buddy... Uh, talk about one percenters, right? I'm not going to mention the name of this restaurant, although I probably should, just to piss them off. Not that they really give them one. Now, here's, now th- those of the rest of us are kind of going trying to go places. This is a New Year's Eve dinner, all right, at a famous Chicago steakhouse. Not Gibson's, but another one. Um, I don't know how many, I can't tell how many people are in here. Looks like maybe nine or so. Uh, five something something CCH gins, eighty five bucks. 
three Australian Wagyu Delmonico's. What the hell's that? That's the cut of meat. All right, so $297. So they're $99 a piece. All right, four espresso martinis, 76 bucks. One USDA prime rib, 89 bucks. If you go to series uh, 130 to 4, you can get espresso martinis for 675 Can you get a Colorado Lacquer Lamb for $76? <laughs> I mean, we, we could call and order them for you. How about this? A bone-in cowgirl ribeye, 109 and a petite fillet, how much? Guess how much? What, four ounce or is that eight? I don't know. Petite, it says. Petite probably is probably eight. four or six. 130 bucks. That seems like a lot. One Wagyu meatball, 32 bucks. Yeah, that's that's very expensive meat. I'm not sure. All right, so get this. I'm not sure why. So this, I mean, the subtotal is. It, it's more of a texture thing than it is a taste thing, in my well, opinion. Well, they put a house fee on here. Security, music, health insurance, wage increase, taxes, five percent. So that's seventy-nine bucks, which gets you to a subtotal of fifteen hundred dollars. Now, how many people? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to say I'm going to say how many dinners? Three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, so we'll you're see. out of there for two hundred bucks a person? Uh, no, 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 I'm just getting started. Oh, <laughs> you get a, little, a, a large party service charge, twenty-one percent. Large party service. Do yeah, you, is that in place of the tip? Hopefully, I would, would hope. Think I would yeah. think so. But get a load of this holiday gratuity, another eighteen percent. Ooh, ouch! So it's a forty-four percent add-on. Ouch! How, how do you give somebody a music charge when you're charging a hundred dollars for a steak? Oh, that's pretty easy. <laughs> so it was all all told is forty four percent add on. Yeah, that's a good one. So we're talking. Uh, I don't know that holiday one seems a little a little stretched. Yeah, I, I I'd imagine if you said something about that, I don't know. So twenty two hundred bucks was a tab for these people. Mm. It's a number. It happens. Uh, not to you and me. It's I don't think. You you get people who drink a lot. It happens. They didn't drink. <laughs> they didn't drink crap. They had like one drink and some wine. Oh, well. They were actually they were actually uh, pikers on the wine. They had a uh, what, what kind of wine did they have? They had a uh, prisoner eighty six dollars. What does prisoner cost? Twenty fifteen? I don't know, but I know that if you're not careful, you can spend a lot on a bottle of wine. No, the the wine was cheap. They only got a eighty six seventy one and sixty three. <coughs> so they cut back. Here here's a good one. Two Brussels sprouts forty bucks. Oh, it's a lot of like, Brussels sprouts. Sounds like per. Per ounce, Brussels yeah. sprouts are the way to go. Yeah, I mean, so uh, that's what I want to sell. Uh, yeah, I would, I would do some of that too. So, what do you? Uh, Did you ask them if they blanched them and, and shocked them? I, I, I was not there. I mean, uh, we used to live right by this place. You gotta, you gotta hit those in the boiling water for what? A minute and a half. I'm not, I'm not then, big on Brussels sprouts. Then shock them. I like most everything, but Brussels sprouts is not on my list. Well, if you're gonna make them and them taste good, you know, I mean, have them be. Well, very you're, green. you're in the restaurant business. You want to do this stuff. I don't, I don't, I'm just, I just don't order them. How's that? Anyway, um, you're here to give us the view on what's going on with futures this year. Um, this year we got, we got uh, in the grains at least, we've got more rain coming in South America. So that, um, that weighed on grain prices yet last week into this week. And also we've got in the forecast uh, lots of, El Nino weather coming coming for us uh, this week. And Is that good or bad for, for stuff? That's actually pretty 
good for the the row crop farmers in that if you get a nasty winter at least a second half of a nasty winter that usually means that your fields are going to be more productive so so whatever punishment you know the fields take over the winter you know, hopefully that's excess moisture and, and nutrients that the isn't, isn't snow better though because it protects everything and then it melts and soaks in yeah yeah and they're better better than rain right it's it's uh more valuable so like if we get a, a bad second half of the winter the farmers actually will probably be happier about that and and maybe factor in some higher productivity from the fields just because maybe 50%. I mean, we have we have drought problems and they're working on them, but but uh we've got drought problems in like 50% of the you know, arable and tillable and and if you listen to a farmer, does he ever have a good year? Does he ever have a good year? Yeah, but they won't they won't say much about it. They'll say the but they're a lot like traders. Traders never had a good day. They're more worried about what the input costs are going to be next year. If, so, well, next year is not going to. Yeah, be. we made a bunch more money, but we got to put some of that away because our our feed costs are going up. Do we have Mr. Mike? You better hurry. Yes, sir. You do. Hey, bud, how are you? Happy 2024. Hey. Yeah, happy New Year to you too. The uh, I was uh, hoping you would pile in a little bit early, and we'll be hanging for jam today. Um, need, need kind of a review. We're doing a futures review here, we'll, but we'll let Greg finish on uh, metals and oil too. Uh, is there is there going to be is there going to be a good trade there this year? I guess is my question. Should should people who have the means have the have or want? I mean, if you want to, should you have the ability to trade oil or gold or something like that? I mean, it, just in case. Always, always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the if you see and if you see something that. You know, is is a anything even close to a pattern? I uh, should always try to look at it and see if it repeats. And then, if it does, then you jump in small and take advantage of it. I mean, and, How do you, then, you, and then call you us. Jump in small. You mean put your toe in, and then if you you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to go out and buy a whole bunch of futures if you've only got you know the minimum maintenance margin in your account, but say if you've been bearish oil for the past however long all of a sudden you say okay well now we're neutral or we're bullish um you pick up a few call options or or something that your account can handle or if you um if you are taking on futures and you like the futures position maybe you do some spreads and then once you're comfortable with with how to trade, how to input, how to... How's the execution on the future side vis-a-vis the, the uh, security side? The execution, I mean, it's a much thinner market. So you don't really want to use market orders unless you're getting out. Um, it's much better to just place a limit order and let it go for a day or two and see if they come to you. Um, if you're chasing things around in the futures especially with the leverage you know it's going to start costing you over the course of uh, you know just even a few trades but what you want to do is try to find where you're comfortable in and give yourself a little bit of a margin for safety margin of safety so like um, if the oil futures 
are, I don't know, what's the maintenance on that, eight? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, so. Well, that's kind of the next question. Are you better off? There seems to be a. Um, so say if it moves, you know, you're not going to be having to add and subtract or add add capital just to keep the position on because that's when, that's when, um, that's what, you know, the sharks are that good pushing around <laughs> just to look for that. Well, if you're going to be an oil stocks. trader, you're, you're, you're better off, I think doing the futures on the oil than you are the USO because USO is kind of a horrible product. USO is, is god awful. Yeah. Like epically awful. So, but, but gold or gold or silver, the ETFs are pretty good, aren't they? Because they're actual, they're actual ETFs where they have to have gold and silver in the vault, correct? I mean, I would always prefer the futures simply because the ETFs are are chasing us, trading correct, trading the futures. And there's always so, a discount on the ETF, so. right? Right. So, if if you're bullish, uh, call it oil. And you think it's going to 75 or, or 80, you know, you pick up some 75 calls or you buy some futures. And you really you really want to make sure the sizing is right before anything else. We also got to get the right month. You know, the month you can roll. It doesn't cost That's that true. much. But, but in terms of, you know, what size is right, it's whatever allows you to, to really sleep at night and not get too worried. If you're worried, you know, you better pick up a couple of puts or something so you can sleep at night because if you're not comfortable with the position all you're going to do is look at your phone or check your computer every 20 minutes and you're going to end up talking yourself into stuff that you know it's just it's so you're just, saying a guy like mike murphy if he had 10 oil futures he's probably not sleeping but if he had 10 puts with his position he could sleep like a baby definitely because there you go mike because you're not yeah you're not constantly checking to see if your account is it's sort of <laughs> is like going to blow up if, if it's sort of like if he goes out and buys a midlife crisis corvette and it's out in front of his house and he has insurance he's not as worried somebody come take it if someone comes and takes it yeah. you know you might get three quarters or, or a bunch of money back if if you don't have insurance well you know it's just gone it's just gone so, he gone he gone so i mean ideally you pick your time frame and your price, and you kind of plan around that. Who is um, who is that? The, the the term he gone. Hawk Harrelson. Hawk Harrelson. Yeah. You ever listen to him, Mike? He was a character. Who is that, Tom? Hawk Harrelson did the sacks forever, and uh, whenever he come to get the opposing pitcher, he go, he gone, he gone. No, I never did listen to that. Or when he struck, or when someone strikes out. When somebody strikes yeah. out, yeah. Hawk was a character. Um, he was on with uh, <clears throat> Stoney a lot, and uh, well, going way back. So Mike, what oh, do you you're think? talking about Hawk Harrelson, the guy. Yeah. Who, okay. And the former GM. Yeah, he was he was GM for like a little while. He was the one who like a week. Well, that's why the White traded. Sox have been so successful. Huh? <laughs> he he traded Sammy Sosa, I think, was his famous. To the Cubs, yeah. His for famous, uh, uh, blunder. For who? Who was the guy? The guy they traded for. The guy was pretty good. Who they traded him for though? And Sammy was not. He 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 was not the home run hitter on the Sox. No. You need to wait till the steroids kick in. Yeah, he was. Uh, th- matter of fact, the one year he showed up, and the, the equipment manager said, "You know, you've gone up a size or two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Back to the futures because yeah. it ties directly into um, shipping, steroids, shipping costs, oh. and, and war, and the straits. So, you think it's you think oil's a a buy? Let's say that. 
And then the question is, well, where's it going? So, okay, well, I think it's going to go to uh, 85 by May. So I'm looking out in the futures. I'm looking even for futures options if you're not as comfortable holding on to, you know, futures for that long or say your account doesn't even, it doesn't have, or you don't want to commit the capital for p maintaining those positions. You can pick up some futures options too. So you go out and you say buy the 80 or 85s or do the 80, 85 call spread and you see how much it's trading for and then put on the amount to where you'll be able to sleep at night without checking your phone, you know, every few hours. And that way you can check in um, and not have it really take over your portfolio. All right, so as we go, as uh, Mike, I had a discussion with a couple of the younger dudes um, Saturday, Friday night, I won't name any names like Greg, uh, regarding the Bears and investments in football teams. <laughs> and let me say it was... I might as well, you know, on the one hand, I might as well have been talking to my year-and-a-half-old niece. Uh, on the other hand, the wall. I understand exactly where they're coming from because in the last 15 or 20 years, we'll talk about this when England John's on, for the last 15 or 20 years, the, in, the, the investment world has been totally blown away from what I would call rigorous analysis when you look at a project because so many people have so much money and, so, and, and the money's been... Free for so long, and nobody even knows. Nobody even considers it a cost of a business, which is really scary because some people are going to get nailed with that because these prices. I mean, I sort of know that because I, uh, Robin, the lady passed away a week or so ago. Uh, she and I were partners in a building, and Robin was a big shot at Pullman, so she ended up getting us a bridge loan instead of a mortgage on this condo, which means we don't have to pay any of the fees or anything, but it also meant it was adjustable. I think, Mike, we got the the uh, thing in November. It took me till May, working pretty much by myself, to totally remodel the place. And we <coughs> sold it for exactly what I thought we would. My budget was fine, and we just broke even. I was never so happy to sell something in my life. Our rate went from 8% to 14 in five months. Wow. Well, there's a number. Um, anyway, we're going to go to break here, and we'll come back. And uh, one thing, though, is if, if as, as Greg has been talking about, the the problems with shipping the oil. I have to believe, Mike, if you put a number on it, you got some big-ass tanker, whether you go around Africa or you go through to Suez, it's got to be what? It's, it's got to be half a buck, maybe half a buck a barrel, a buck a barrel, two bucks, somewhere in there. That, that's not going to bring oil up 10 or 15 bucks. Now, I think if you close the Strait of Hormuz, uh, no, that's that could be a ten or fifteen dollar problem, right? You got to, you know, you sort of have to identify this. You know, what if we can't go through the Red Sea through the Suez Canal? What does it really cost when you got a how many million barrels are on one of those ships? Okay, it's going to cost another two. Well, you know, it costs. I'm going to say for an oil tanker to go through the Suez, Matt, you can look this up for us after we do traffic weather sports. I'm going to say it's like four hundred grand. It's a huge number, maybe 280 somewhere in there. It's it's not chump change at all to go through one of these canals, and if you take that and have to go around Africa, I'm going to say it's a quarter million more than going through the canal. It's it's more, but it's not. You know, it's not 20 bucks a barrel. Now, if you if you close off a spot like Hormuz, now that's different. Now you got a shortage, right? So you have to be careful when you when, when you, you talk about closing Hormuz. That would that yeah, that's a big deal. The world 
oil price. Oh, that's what I'm say saying. That's, a, that's like a totally different level. Thirty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying just the Suez. It, it takes you four days or five days. A lot more gas to get around diesel to get around the, the Cape. But you're also saving <laughs> the canal fee, right? You know, but it, so you get that you get that back essentially. Anyway, SP futures down four. Nasdaq futures up twenty five cents. The big mover here is Boeing down twenty bucks because of the door to blow off. Thank God nobody got killed. I think a couple people got injured, but. Mm. Uh, Hey, didn't there used to be a door there? Nah, it's not there anymore. See it. I can't believe those cell phones were working. Yeah. Doors not working. You hear that, Mike? They found a couple of people's cell phones. They were still working? On the ground. On the ground. One screen no, I did not hear that. What if you got whipped in the head with one of those things? <laughs> that would not order a door landing on your house. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, I'm David Andelman, founder and president of DAX Research, a registered commodity trading advisor. I'm also a wealth manager with PTI and a frequent contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio show. For more than 30 years, professional traders at the CME, including four past CME presidents, have chosen DAX Research to help guide their trading. That same research is available to you. We are offering three research newsletters. The Daily News, our Daily Stock and Futures trading recommendations, and our twice-weekly top three tiers of recommended stocks. Each of these reports are available via email. To benefit from the same research professionals have used for more than three decades, call me and get two weeks free with a one-month subscription. Or you may also call me for a free portfolio analysis to see how we can work together to build your future. I'm David Andelman, president of DAX Research. Call toll-free. 1-800-821-4968. Stock and futures have risk of loss and are not suitable Hello, for this everybody. is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. 
To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Hello, my back Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. We have Matt Byrne on the board of Greg Pavis in the studio. We have Mike Murphy on the line. We should have Mr. John Flanagan as well. So we got a uh, big crowd this morning and a good show. Uh, Dow Futures down 162. That's almost all Boeing. Boeing's down uh, 20 bucks. I think the multiple. What's the multiplier now, Greg? Five? I mean seven? So one dollar in, in, in the stock is seven in the, in the uh, index. It used to be over eight, but I think it's down to seven. Anyway, SP Futures down 475. Nasdaq Futures down five and a quarter. Uh, not much there other than the Boeing, like I said. But still, we can't seem to get rolling. Last week, the first week of the year was not good. We'll see how that turns around or if it does. DAX up 22.1%, FTSE down 19.3%. Kick around down two, call that flat. So Europe giving us no clue. We're in Asia, got the kneecap 89 points, 0.3%. Hang Seng down again on 310, whack whack, 1.9%, 16,224. I'm really shocked if this thing goes through to 16,000, Greg, but it's looking like it might. Get a look at this. Shanghai down 41, did go through the 2,900 uh, mark, 2,887. I didn't, I did not expect that. I think this China's got more trouble than they are leading on here. Friday, we were kind of an inside day, just to the upside, but barely. Down to Dow 25, S&P up 8, Nasdaq up 13. Uh, bonds uh, up two basis points, but still over four, 4.06. We were down to what, 3 3.30 or something? Um, so that's, we're back up over four. Like I said, we're supposed to be going the other way, and we're not. The bundle up six basis points, 2.21. Japan unchanged at 0.61. We have oil uh, down two bucks, 71.77. So much for worries about the straight over moves. Brent down two bucks, 76.73. Natural gas down nine cents, 2.79. Uh, showing us that we're having an El Nino winter. Arbob down six cents, uh, 2.04. Gold getting whack whack today down 23 bucks 2026. So much for hanging around in the mid 2000s. Silver down 24 cents 2307. Half run change 380. We have Bitcoin, which had been rallying and getting then pulled back. It's rallying today up 646, 44,842. And we have the US dollar up a little bit with the euro down only two two basis points 109. Pound down 13, 127. So the dollar has been somewhat weak starting this year. It's a lot of stuff, man. What do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Dub Bears finally put a fork in them. Uh, exactly. We're done with them. Uh, currently 6.40 a.m. on January 8, 2024. Uh, as far as weather, 33 degrees currently in Chicago with a high of 36 today. Uh, mostly cloudy skies, though. Uh, there is a winter advisory in effect starting at 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, tomorrow we're expecting to accumulate around 2 to 5 So you're, you're advising us that it's winter? Advising us that yes, the winter winter is in full effect. Uh, so yeah. get, get, get your shovels out and whatnot because uh, it's coming tomorrow supposedly about five inches uh, at, at most uh, with 30 mile per hour winds uh, down in phoenix mostly clear skies 36 degrees currently and a high of 53. Uh, yesterday in the nfl bears lose to packers 9 to 17. Uh, this marks the bears 10th loss this season 
Uh, the NHL Blackhawks played yesterday and won uh, 4-3 against Calgary Flames. So I got Chief back to you. The, uh, we have Mr. Flanagan? Yeah, we do indeed. Hey, John. Morning. Um, Hi, Tom. Mike. Mike, Morning, John. Mike, did you spot this? I think I sent it to you. The, uh, the congressional uh, group here that came out with this, uh, well, this overall spending plan where, you know, the guys are going to do whatever they want for, uh, uh, you know, the hard, hard, hard right wingers are going to... Did you realize, I don't know if you saw, saw, the, saw another article, if I sent it to you, that the, that the uh, Republicans are down to a one-person advantage in the House because of all the people that are left? I didn't know it was that close. but I didn't, I didn't either, but the, well, Santos is outright. Some other guy quit last week, and then the guy, uh, the former speaker, quit, right? As of the 31st, he's out? I think so, yes. So they're down to like one one vote advantage, which right. The Freedom Caucus will hold up this budget bill just uh, because they can. So we'll see what happens. What uh, I mean, I don't expect you to uh, give us a line by line on this, but out of one point five trillion for two thousand and twenty four, again, these are all appropriations bills. This isn't an official budget, right? Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the difference is, but one is like the big, huge thing they bring out, and it's about four feet high, but evidently they don't have that. They have a, a bunch of appropriate... Anyway, there's $886 billion to the military and $704 billion for non-defense spending. Because uh, the spending is up this year over last year, an appreciable amount. Because, um, Mike, we've been talking about uh, the stuff, the military things, and how they're going to have to go back and order up a lot of stuff and, and you know, and pay for it. Um the, I guess my question, I heard this weekend, and I, I want to hit you up with one that, uh, I don't know if it's classified or what, but we have, we talked last week a lot about, we still have bases in Syria, we still have bases in in, uh, in uh, Iraq. I, I guess my question to you is, this is the dumbest thing from this, what do they do all day? I, don't, I mean, if I'm on a base in Syria, but if somebody shoots at me, I, do I hope they do so I can shoot back? I can't really go on patrol in somebody else's country, can I? I mean, what? What exactly is the is the function on a daily basis of a, of, a, of a base in Syria? I think that they are looking for ISIS still, or whatever ISIS is called these days. So, yes, and, and they can go out and patrol. Okay, they do? All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they can because nobody stops them, or they can because they can, or they should, or whatever. Well, they may ask permission from the host nation, but they can because they can. I mean... Uh, I think there are portions of Syria, I'm pretty sure about this, that are ungoverned areas, so they can do what they want, essentially. They're like non-incorporated Cook County. Yeah, I would say <laughs> so, so, yes. So so basically you're, you're wandering around just trying to figure out who exactly all the players are and, and, and just keeping your feel on whether anything's brewing so you'd know if somebody was massing to do something or whatever. I mean, you're... It's kind of you're sort of somewhat monitoring. You're not trying to form another government, are you? I mean, who would that even be outside of the the? Third no, of they are not trying to form another government. What What is the status of the government? What is the government in Iraq these days? Anybody even know? I mean, anybody here even know? I mean, you probably do, and the people there do. But is, is there an Iraq government? Yeah, I think so, and I think it's probably ruled by the Shias. Okay, but they have Shia, they have Sunnis, and they have. Uh, the Kurds are they? And they're Kurds, just a nom- right. they're they no man's land. All three of them. Are, 
the Kurd area you think is even governed or not? They must pay taxes. No, the Kurd area is probably governed by Kurds. I mean, I'm sure they're charging their own taxes and they're they're doing their own thing, and uh, they would govern themselves essentially. And they, they would have their own water treatment plants, their own sewage systems, their own garbage pickup, whatever whatever you're supposed to do to be a governor, their own police force. I think they have most of those things. Yes, Tom. Man, oh man, what uh, do you see? What do you, what do you see in Iraq thirty years from now? Is it, can it is it going to be one place or is it going to be three different places? I would say it will probably end up some sort of a confederation, you know, with a weak central government and three strong, um, you know, like the Iraqi or Sunni in the central, Kurds Kurds up north, and then the Shia in the south. Is it is it possible to? Do they have roads and they don't have railroads for all those places? Do they or do they have? Uh, I don't think they have much of a rail system. No, they have some highways, and but not really. It's just kind of. It's not well, like they here. have decent highways. Okay. Well, they used to, anyways. I'm not sure how much that's been bombed out. Who do you think uh, took out the people at the funeral? I think we did. Really, and and one in Iran. Yep, I think the uh, Biden administration finally determined, or the Israelis, maybe. It could have been them, too. Because a couple of people told me they thought it was the uh, the Sunnis. Well, well it's that hard could to tell be you. Too. It's hard when you got, like, five enemies to figure out who did what, right? Right, exactly. What, uh, do you think people are making progress over there, or it's, it's back, back, backpedaling here? Progress in what respect? Well, I mean, I guess if, is, is the... Gaza thing going to tone down fast enough to where Hezbollah does not join the fight or other people get even worse? Well, uh, Israel has de-escalated somewhat, although there's still hostages being held. So, And uh, although I think there was a pretty heavy bombing from Hezbollah um, over the weekend. No, they're coming from Lebanon. Or, or maybe last week. I'm not sure which one it was. They they shot they shot off quite a few bombs. No, they're coming from Lebanon, right? So that's further north. Yes, that's correct. Is that as far north as the Golan Heights? I mean, I have, my geography over there isn't so hot. No, the Golan Heights isn't. Uh, it's not th- that area, anyways. All right, John. You have any? What do you What are you thinking? I know you're sitting there thinking. I'm wondering what we're doing with the Secretary of Defense these days. He's sixth in line to the presidency. Um, and nobody, apparently, except for maybe people in the Defense Department's inner circle, knew that he's been you know, out of commission since last Monday, a week ago today, and still not disclosing what his elective surgery was or why he stayed in the hospital because of privacy concerns. And this whole thing is turning into a you know, a, a bigger deal than it has to be or should be. But w- when we've got such sensitive stuff going on and you know, the president isn't in contact with the Secretary of Defense, doesn't even know he's not actually serving in that capacity, apparently. i got, I got to believe um, he has to know. Jeez, how could that be? Well, apparently well, Jake Sullivan was the Austin first to find took, out. Uh, Austin took full accountability for that, not that that matters. But he didn't tell anybody was what he was doing. And then his DEPSEC was on uh, On leave. vacation so, in Puerto Rico. Yeah, so who's in charge in the Pentagon? What the hell? That's unreal. 
I, uh, we, we don't you know, he's got a, a, a close relationship with Biden because apparently, you know, Lloyd Austin, you know, was a close friend of Bo Biden's, um, which is, I'm sure, why Lloyd Austin has this job, which is all well and good. That doesn't make him unqualified for the job. But this kind of behavior is just, you know, beyond the pale. I'm sorry. Isn't well, there a Napoleon quote? Uh, never ascribe malice to <laughs> which is adequately explained by incompetence or something. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, Mike, one, one of the reasons why we uh, have you on, other than the fact that we've been buddies for a bazillion years, is is I, I, I don't know, and I don't know if you think John does, uh, you know, maybe maybe Lou probably does, the inner workings of Washington, when you get a bureaucracy that big, does all stuff just slip through the crack? Does people know nothing about nothing? I mean, could, is it is it that screwed up where you could actually disappear for months and nobody know you were gone? But like like a catch twenty two or what? I mean, is it that screwed up? No, I don't think it's that screwed up. And and Austin did that by design. It, it said it was some sort of elective surgery, so I think it has something to do with his heart or whatever. He he must have had a bypass or something. Who knows? Well, that's not elective. Well, sort of is, I guess. Well, it kind of is if you choose to <laughs> Only do it. Only if you want to live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, what, you mean, what if he went in for a tummy tuck or a, or a, what's the thing where you snip the tube or something? I don't gender think he's too worried yeah. about that. Well, I hope it's not a, yeah, a gender switch. I don't think that's what's going well, on. Well, th- that would be elective. So. Yeah, that would be elective. <laughs> then, then you got people like us talking like this. It's uh, Well, you know, to, what it shows to me, Tom, like it really shows there is a deep state at work somehow or other where these these people are really unimportant somehow in in the whole chain of command nobody seems to you know that they, they don't even tell anybody what they're doing it's just assumed that nobody's going to say anything anyway and then when, when it comes out that nobody was in the know about it know how embarrassing this is i think it's all it just proves that there's a a, a chain of command that doesn't look like the one supposedly on paper and that other people are clearly somehow I hope making decisions when the, the people who are actually charged with that aren't doing it but that makes me distrust the entire system of the cabinet really well you know um, I'm going to ask you guys all, all, all four of you as they say in the south side is that just the way human beings operate I'll give you a quick story I'll keep trying to keep it brief although I never do when I ran for the uh, board of the CBOE, we were we were not nominated by the nominating committee myself and another gentleman, and uh, so we ran outside. And then nobody nobody ever won from the outside before, right? So there was a guy named Larry Bloom, uh, had been around forever, owned a clearing firm. He was on the building committee of the place uh, when they built the, the new building, which is now abandoned, where all the coupons moved over to the uh, uh, post office, and now they have an empty building they can't sell, which is. How do you have a fully paid-for building and you're paying leases to other places? Is that genius or what? Anyway, I'm not going into that. But so Larry says to me, "I'll work work hard for you to get you on the board. I like you, but you got to promise me one thing." Now, Larry, I think had been on the board. He goes, "If you ever find out who's really running the place, you got to tell me." And I go, "What do you mean?" He says, "Stuff happens. It doesn't seem to come out of staff. Doesn't come out of the board. Stuff just happens." <laughs> he goes. Somebody, there's a curtain somewhere, and somebody's behind it. This is this is a, an exchange. I can only imagine what it must feel like in Washington. Where did that come from? And, and who are the players behind? Some stuff makes it up. Some stuff magically gets 
canceled in the pipeline, even this budget. It could be a fake. It could be they're telling people that and they're testing to see what who picks up on it and well, yeah, you know, foreign communications. I was telling, I was talking to Jan yesterday, Mike, about uh, was the the TV show, the uh, Survivor, where, where every right. time there's a, like there's a State of the Union, they pick one cabinet official and they stuck, stick them somewhere. Well, evidently right, they, the they designated got, Survivor. Thing. Well, there, there was a guy from Wisconsin. Was it Tommy something and something? I think he was a former governor, and he what was he, Jan? Was he health education? He was in you know some some lower end cabinet job. So he says these guys show up in his house. And they, and they basically kidnap and take him to a place where he didn't even know where the hell he was. He was the designated survivor. And he said as soon as the thing was over and nobody got blown up, they said, like, see ya, and he had to take a cab home. They even take him home. <laughs> Can you even imagine something like that happening? He goes, they, it turns out they revealed the hotel he was in, and they said, okay, you got to get here. Here's cab money or something. See ya. And they left. They even take the guy home. I mean, how, how does something like that happen? In a, in a government that we think it may have some kind of common sense, I, I guess when something's that big, is there any common sense? Or can you even tell who the leaders are? Well, it makes me wonder when Biden says things like, I'm not supposed to be saying this or I can't say that, I'd like to know who, who has told him those things because he clearly isn't willing to cross them, whoever it is. And, you know, whether you call it shadow government or deep state or, you know, fake government it doesn't really matter i don't think but but it, it's all about deception and you know confusing the public and the, the public is entitled to know if, if we have a, a functioning secretary of defense or not you would think a lot of other people would want to know that within the confines of washington and that, that there isn't more outrage than there is about you know an individual deciding who he's going to let know whether he's at his home or is doing work or if he's unconscious or whatever else that's nobody else's business but his I mean come on well it, it, you get the uh, you certainly here in Illinois and you, and you know some of the people who run or at least you know people that know them I'm not buddies or new Lori Lightfoot or anybody, but I know, I know a lot of the guys who are in, attorneys that used to practice against her and actually they said she's very competent uh, um, as an attorney I don't know about as mayor but the uh, now Brendan claims she had a terrific financial staff that nobody knew about I mean it, there's good and bad in these people. I don't think people even know, but it is strange that the minute somebody wins an election, even if it's dog catcher, they automatically think that there's secrets that they deserve that you can't get. And, and a week ago, we were equal, and all of a sudden we're not because you're the dog catcher. You can't even tell me how many dogs you picked up last week. You don't have secret. But it's kind of strange. Is it is it just in human nature? I guess is my question, or is it? It, it can't. It's not just unique to our government. We're not the only ones that are bureaucracy, are we? No, there's plenty of governments that have bureaucracy. The Brits are great about keeping secrets. Yeah, what did Wayne Matson? Uh, we spent a show before you guys' time. Uh, he was with NSA, and he goes, "It got to the point where our lunch menus were were, were considered secret." <laughs> you know, well, NSA overclassifies everything, so I've always had to battle with them. Uh, Mike, so Mike, when this when this particular budget comes down, they got this number. Now, how detailed does somebody have? You know, eight hundred thousand bucks for the next six months of base base five in Syria, and nine hundred thousand for base six. Is it what level of detail does this kind of stuff go down, or are they now working out the detail after they've got the big number? They'll work uh, the detail now, but it's probably allocated right now as overseas contingency funds, and usually that's a pretty good pot 
that uh, the Department of Defense works out of because they need that. You know, that's going to take care of all those fun, all those operations overseas. Well, who, and I guess I mean, at, at what level of the Pentagon, if we have five bases in Syria, and I don't know if every one of them has an airfield or not. Maybe they do. I imagine you can let, land helicopters at all of them. But who, who decides next week? You know what? Five isn't the right number. We got one too many. I don't know what these guys are doing over here. Or we sure could use six or seven. Who, who comes up with that idea, and where does that go up the chain? The operators in the Pentagon come up with that idea, and then it goes up the chain, and they either approve it or disapprove it. it, it it's all done by the operators. Uh, they, they might ask Intel for a recommendation on what bases to close, but then the operators end up making the decision. And the uh, is, is, every time somebody makes this decision, do, do they know the money part, or is it strictly operational and just the money part, whatever it is, what it is? Mm, they might know the money part, uh, but they'll make the decision, and then they'll determine the money. All right, and then so if all of a sudden you decide this one's done, in three weeks the thing's just gone, basically. Or, yeah, that's about right. Who owns the property? Oh, it, I, the property doesn't matter when you're overseas for the most part. You might have to lease the land, but it, it'll generally be a very cheap rate. Although, like in Germany, uh, we essentially owned the bases, but we were leasing them from the Germans, and then we had to pay the Germans when we left a certain amount of money. Okay. But, again, to get back to the Syria one, we're not... We're not paying the knucklehead who only owns only controls a third of the place, are we, Assad? I, mean, I doubt it, no. So we, who we knows just, what kind of deal we've worked out. So we've got something somewhere in a place that's pretty much not governed, and we just sit there somehow. Yes, but, you know, we operate out of there. You know, as I said, we're probably looking for ISIS still. Okay. Who knows? Whatever, whatever, whatever happened to those guys? I mean, I mean obviously... The, the guys well, really we essentially, well, we did a pretty good job destroying them, but there's still pockets of resistance out there. It's just like Al-Qaeda. You know, they said they wanted to destroy Al-Qaeda, and then, you know, uh, isolated pockets still exist, and they, you know, they're still uh, very effective. Well, it's like the, Israel trying to destroy the, the Hamas and their way of thinking. You can't, you can't kill an idea. And no, you, that's correct. And you can't, you know, you... The more people you kill, the more, if people are of that ilk, the more martyrs you have, right? Yeah, I mean, now they, you know, I forget how many thousands of people that uh, the UN says were killed there. Well, but remember, that's an exaggerated number so that oh, yeah. the UN gets more money. Well, remember Flanagan's, law, you, Flanagan's law firm, the beatings will continue till morale improves. <laughs> Mike, do you think that these bases were conceived as a deterrent to aggression? Um, far-flung places, or was it a, you know, has it turned into something of where we're creating flashpoints where our defense treaties can be triggered, you know, for attacks? Well, they originally served as a deterrent, John, and now they're flashpoints because, you know, different groups are attacking them. And, yeah. you know, finally, we at least attacked back. You know, we there was some response, although it's very limited. I don't know what it is that uh, Iran has on the White House, but they've got something because we're not responding effectively. Um, do you think a lot of it is just 
hoping that those guys get tossed in there. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Put this way, I, we had a Far East band show all the time, and I know just so happened. I know a lot of people are from Iran. They live down where Audrey used to have a place in Ogden Dunes. They, you know, they've been here for 40 years. I, I've never, I've never come across an Iranian person I didn't really like that wasn't hardworking, that wasn't educated, that couldn't stand their government. The, the one guy says, uh, because my wife could probably go back there and visit family. He goes, but I never could. I'm an engineer. They'll just grab me. I mean, it's, I mean, everybody says that the, you know, 80, 90 percent of the population can't stand these people, and yet, as part of it, we're just, we're just hoping if we hang in there long enough, they'll, they'll fix it themselves. Or, I mean, is, is that any part of our, of our plan? That we, I mean, obviously, we don't. I don't think we have any, anything bad against the Iranian people, do we? No, I don't think so. But the mullahs are securely in charge, and the security forces are very strong. So, th- they will remain in charge as long as the security forces support them. But I'm saying it's kind of hard to consider the whole the whole group an enemy. I guess what I'm saying when you know when you know 80 percent of the group doesn't want these guys, they probably want them less than us. Well, you're right. The, the Iranian people do not. Well, they you know it is said that they they do not want the moles in charge, but yet somehow the moles remain in charge. Well, China the same way. Didn't the Wagner Group uh, attack? An American, an American base a few years ago. They might. The Wagner Group's been very active in Africa, also. Uh, they might the have Wagner attacked group, an American base there. I the don't. The Wagner know. Group attacked, and then, and then, uh, I think it was either the Secretary of Defense or someone or the Secretary of State reached out to Russia, and they said, "Is this you?" And Russia said, "No," <laughs> and they said, "Alrighty then," and then <laughs> proceeded to like. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Are, but are those guys still around? Force. Are those guys still around with that guy dead? <laughs> they they over over bombed or oh. they, I mean they completely leveled like a square mile that those guys were operating in. We got to dash the break here, but Mike, are those guys still around with the guy dying? Yeah, I think they are still around, Tom. They had a second in command or, or splinter. Yeah, I'm sure they probably do. You oh, know, and now he's probably in Putin's pay. Who knows? Let's go for a quick break. SP Futures up 175. Nasdaq Futures up 25. Again. Dialed down a little bit because Boeing is still, well, it's only down 18 bucks now. It was down 20. Come back a little bit. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Round up the usual suspects. <laughs> yeah. oh, hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Ahmed Burn on the board. SP Futures. Unchanged, unched, as they used to say in the trading floor. NSA futures up 18, Dow futures down because Boeing is down uh, 1806. You just, there's no sense of humor with these doors blowing out of these planes, but there's more of a sense of humor with nobody dying. That's that's for sure. That's right. Uh, and just be happy that the uh, the door didn't land on your head, Mr. Murphy. The uh, we have oh the door that fell out of the plane, yeah. Yeah, or uh, I can't get over to the two the two cell phones hit the ground and are still working. Imagine well. the chagrin of somebody in one of those seats losing his cell phone. It'd be like he lost their their firstborn kid, right? Exactly. It's a it's a thing, you know. Do you think that when we, uh, if we, if the humans make it another thousand years, that you will end up having a a third arm that sticks right out of your belly, just just right where you normally hold the phone? Will we evolve <laughs> into that. Yeah, who knows, Tom? The, uh, in the year twenty nine. We'll just be hardwired, yeah. Tom. We won't need a device. It'll be in our heads somewhere. So, what uh, are you guys anxious for the start of the political season? I'm that boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I, uh, is there is there any chance that we could end up with two other people running than these two people? I hope so. I don't even see where. Why do you Why do you suppose this is a, a very? Why do you suppose that there's probably. You know, I don't know, Mike. You don't more than me. There's probably two, three, four hundred people in this country that are are probably what I'll use the term qualified to take a stab at that job, and probably all two, three, four hundred of them want no part of it. And yet we get people that just seem like they're 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 troubled. They're something. They're this. They're that. They're egomaniacs. They're or there's people behind them pushing them or something. Is there any way we can break out of that? I mean, it, it seems like we somehow. I mean, whether whether you think of, uh, I always. Did you guys ever 
I've asked you on this before. You read the book uh, "Man Called Intrepid"? You might have, Mike. It was a, it was a, it was the uh, story of the guy who was the head of British Secret Service during World War II. Yes, I did read that one. And how? I mean, compare that guy to any politician we have now. I mean, you, there's no there's no comparison, is there? In terms of intellect, in terms of dedication, in terms of I'm not saying he would have been a better politician. These guys are really good politicians, and don't and don't ever. One thing I will mention to the listeners. Don't ever think that that's not a skill set. It is to be a parliament. Mean, as much as you may just, dis, you know, disdain any of these people, not that many people become president. You can't say they know nothing because they have a skill set. Whether it's the same skill set you want, I guess that if I were to put it in my uh, my numbers world, I'm going to say maybe now that the skill set that you need to get the job is not necessarily the skill set you want in the job. Is that a, a fair way of saying it? I would say so, yes. But I, you know, I think right now the Democrats are controlled by the Obama machine and the Republicans, unfortunately, are controlled by the Trump magus. So, I mean, it's, you know, we have essentially two contrasting uh, agendas on the party side and that's not going away what uh, we've had we had Wayne Manson on here a few times and he absolutely convinced that Obama was some sort of a a CIA plant in a sense that every time the guy ran the person he ran against magically got out of the way Uh, well the guy here in Illinois he got tossed out of the way because he went to a sex club in Europe with his wife. Uh, I'm not so sure why that is a big deal, but evidently it, it was. Then some other guy ran, uh, he ran in some other election before that, and then whoever, what was that, John, where the per- person in front of him got bumped, not killed, but, you know, politically killed. And all of a Blair sudden Hall? Got, oh no, Blair Hall was, Blair. I knew Blair Hall, I know Blair Hall, but he's, uh, Blair is a, a bright guy, uh, not exactly the uh, uh, let's put it this way I was having breakfast with uh, Dr. J over at Ceres and uh, Blair Hall was in there and John goes he's going to be the next governor and he, I said no he's not and he goes what do you mean he's got all the money he's, he's raised the dough he's leading I said John he just walked out of the Ceres this, this is his group not one person waved to him nobody even knows who the guy is and he, and he can't he can't speak and he has no not he doesn't have a politician's personality if you talk to him he's a nice guy I said he has no chance he goes, but he's got all this money the money will fade he'll be like well he, he was like Bloomberg right no we like the guy I mean so, but, but Obama is amazingly I mean people thought he was the he was going to be the black John Kennedy right with a, with a and he didn't cheat on his wife <laughs> um, right I mean it's the only time a there's been an editor of the Harvard Law Review who never wrote, you know, never published a case note for a law review, and that's Obama. I think I, that's a record to this day. So I, I, I think in any any two bit law school, you got to publish something before you can become the editor of the law review. I, I'll just say that the the, the 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 skids were greased for him. Now, who did it or oh, whatever? Yeah. And and yeah. and, and uh, he thought Wayne always always thought and talked on the show. Again, this is not. He thought Valerie Jarrett was essentially his handler, and her her parents grew up where did they grew up, Mike, somewhere overseas, and some her dad was Iran. CIA. Well, her dad was CIA, wasn't she, or something? I don't know. Iran, yeah. 
but I mean Valerie Jarrett was his handler. She's probably still handling yeah. it. Yeah. You know. But his, his Susan Rice, you know, well, she's a Department of the State or a Department of State creature, but now she's running domestic policy. So who and who knows what else she's doing? But I mean, they are following their progressive agenda. I mean, this is the Biden White House is just a rerun of the Obama White House. I don't I don't understand where a lot of this progressive stuff kind of comes from. I mean, there's no... There's, I mean, some of it, you know, it's beyond my pay grade, the part about the sex and stuff. I don't, I don't even know where that, what that's all about. It's so so far away from me, but the idea that we, do, we, don't, we don't want to prosecute people that we don't... The, the part I, that I, I get here, I don't get, is I, I understand in, in some communities there's been issues. Uh, I don't know that they're necessarily always other people's fault, but there's been issues have been, been placed that were really hard to grow up in. Somehow or another over the last 50, 60 years the, the total destruction of family in certain areas and not just in the cities they happen to be black, in the country they, they're they not black, they're white. So it's not it's not one or the other. I mean there's been a, there's been a, uh, a family uh, breakdown in Arkansas, Missouri, West Virginia, those kinds of places, they're not black, are they? They're white, so I mean, it, it's it's more pronounced in the city because here most of them happen to be black, but it, it's not a color thing. It's a it's a breakdown thing, and it's an economic thing of some kind. But I don't see how uh, not not policing yourself or not making it difficult to live in an area. Every person that gets hurt is black. So how how do you how do you decide you're you're siding with essentially the perpetrators? And you don't care about the people that are law-abiding. They're the ones that are getting hurt. I mean, I, I, even even if you're you're of a, an ilk that says you, you you can't just keep throwing people in jail all day long because it doesn't seem to be working, I I understand part of that. But the idea that somehow the rights of the people that are being abused in any in anybody's whether I don't care how woke you are, you would think that the that the right of a person to not get shot is greater than the person to shoot you. To me, this is common sense. It is not black or white. What, where am I missing here? Why are these guys not caring about the victims anywhere when the victims are black too? What, what, I'm missing something here, and I don't know what it is. Mike, you I go think for it. It really boils down to how there's a, a, a pretty aggressive campaign to demoralize um, this country, and, and not just this country, um, by you know giving you. A, a big dose of what a, you know a chaotic declining society looks like and and instill in you the sense that, that there's nothing you can do about it and you're just here to take orders and you know you get no say in, in any of this and how dare you complain about it and this is it, it, to me it's a, a very carefully you know synchronized a, attempt to just you know, break down the more advanced societies that actually have some kind of, you know, say in what goes on, and turn it over to people who have the most crass objectives, least morals, and or ethics, and it's it's about controlling vast, you know, resources of the global population and making sure that merit is not rewarded, that if you have brains, you're going to have to be told over and over again that you're really stupid, and don't think you're ever going to get anything by personal initiative because it depends on things you had no control over 
like your race or your gender that determine those things. So shut up and go to the back of the line. This is like happening everywhere. And it's got real, you know, it's, it's a good thing if you're seeing the, the world as a bunch of people who don't have, you know, anything to, to bring to the table other than their ability to serve the demands of, a, of elite ruling class because they know best and to just beat them down as often as possible, make them financially dependent on the government. And it, boy, it's really happening at warp speed these days, I think. Well, is, is any of it, I'll give a question like, because Mike and I used to trundle off the economics class together. Is any of it economic, and, and some people have, let's put it this way, we're not, we're not 25 anymore. It was fun when we were. Um, most people do not have a 100-year time horizon, even if you live to be 100, which is nice, and if you're healthy, that's even nicer. Um, you, you don't have a 100-year business time horizon, even though some people maybe think they do. Corporations maybe do. Is any of it economic in a sense that uh, our friend, uh, not Dr. J, our other friend Doc, nobody knows what I'm talking about except you guys. Uh, he, you know, he is involved in the city politics a lot. Uh, he didn't run for anything or anything. He just knows a lot of people. The these places on the south and west side and other places, and this is more your alley, Jen. You go, you go by these empty empty blocks where there's one boarded up house and there's no nobody else there. Somebody is accumulating a lot of this land. I mean, for a while, one of the groups was a group out of Ireland, allegedly. Now, you know, and I asked our friend Dak, I said, well, what if if I found the right room at City Hall and said, I'll bid $200 for every lot that comes up on the on the stage, and I'll want to get, if I can get 10 in a block, I pretty much own the block, can I just walk in and make a bid? He goes, oh, no. <laughs> You're, you're not you're not part of it. Is somebody just wanting to amass that has a fifty or sixty year time horizon? Then all of a sudden, is Englewood's got rapid transportation. They've got parks. I mean, they used to have school. I mean, there's is somebody that's going to pop up and in, in, in hundred years from now there's going to be a, a thriving community. Maybe migrants, maybe not. That's, and how do these people own all this stuff? Well, it'll more likely be you know a military base or a concentration camp or something else. It's like your your friend at the you know the uh, the exchange. You know, let me know who's really running this thing. And it's so well masked, Tom. I don't think you know we're going to know about it in our lifetime or the next generation's lifetime. But I, th- I think if we had a that's all by design too. Now you're you're a, you're a property attorney. You should you should be able to come on the show and say in the last five hundred or a thousand properties that went for taxes for a hundred bucks or whatever, these three groups each got four hundred of them. I mean, how, how is that not? Is it is it public? Could I find that out? Could you find that? I mean, who, somebody's grabbing all this stuff. I mean, it could, but it's probably held in you know a corporation or a land trust that conceals the direct ownership. It's like the you know the plot line in Chinatown, where the movie Chinatown, where Jack Nicholson goes into the track books and determines that all of these properties being bought up by the same entity for the water rights, and he, he pieces the whole thing together, but. Um, that was at a time when it was easier to determine ownership maybe in California than it would be now because it would be some multinational group that you, would be impenetrable and you'd never know who you were really dealing with. So, But, it, but it, it is, as you say, I think part of a grander strategy that, that we are not supposed to know about and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, one place that, that has done that, and I'm, I'm aware because I went there for a little while, you were in Chicago, if you, if you were to take their footprint in 1975 when I showed up 
and look at their footprint now, what do you figure it is? Twice as big? Three times? Oh, man. Well, you know, and that was happening when I was in high school in Woodlot, just south of the university, um, where it was rumored, nobody ever took the time to verify it, but the, the, you know, the UFC was you know clearing out vast swaths of that neighborhood to create a buffer zone for its campus, and that involved you know torching buildings, you know jacking up rents, whatever to get people out of there. And all of a sudden, there'd be a vacant lot in a year or so. Um, and this this seemed to be it was certainly wasn't accidental, and it, it definitely had the benefit to the university of giving them a kind of safety zone between them and you know a, a pretty rough highly you know densely populated neighborhood that they really didn't want any proximity to well, for those that so, don't don't know and mike uh, i don't know if you know geography there's there's the midway the old place where they had the midway back in it was at the exposition or something and it's this big wide thing we actually have skating in there and all that crap well that's where we used to park and north of there was the main campus so north of there was was you know it was fine uh and but south of there I think the law school was south of there, Jan, and a couple other buildings. The law school is on, on 60th Street, yes, and the University of Chicago Press is on, and there's other, you know, the uh, there's a, um, a, a fair amount of constructions happened south of the Midway, like... Oh, yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm talking in 1976. You didn't just yeah. go for a walk and go to, like, the 65th yeah. Street down there. I mean, yeah. I think the university was, and this is, boy, here's an accusation out of left field, I think they were <laughs> totally involved in, in in tearing down the rapid transit from Cottage Grove to Stony Island. Oh, they, yeah. they, they didn't want people to be able to come that close. But anyway, but so now I think they've got almost all that property to 65th Street and 64th. That I, I think you probably could walk there now. Maybe. Well, I've kind of walked around there. I wouldn't want to make a habit of it late at night. But 63rd Street, for example, with the L tracks, you know, when it, they used to thunder overhead, it was just, it was like right out of the French Connection or something. Yeah, well, that, that's been um, gone. They didn't, they didn't, Mike, they used to go down 66, 63rd Street to Stony Island, and all of a sudden they said, oh no, this 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 mile's too too bad, and then a week later it was gone, right, John? It only goes to Cottage yeah. Grove now? It's, yeah, it's, and it's all, and they tried to rebuild it, they still talk about rebuilding it, they started to rebuild it, and they decided, nah, They'll just destroy the property values on 63rd Street again. So they demolished what they had started to rebuild. And now it's all single-family dwellings with front lawns. There's a business in sight on 63rd Street. No. But it's all like well, DePaul, yesterday. DePaul's done sort of the same thing. Same thing, yeah. Did, uh, I don't know this, but maybe Mike does because he's more of a trailer. Did the place in New York do the same thing? Did like Columbia expand? I mean, Columbia's in, in the Bronx, right? Oh, well... But not, not not the Bronx. It's an upper, you know, 116th Street in Manhattan. But yes, it's, that's that neighborhood. Not the Bronx. They're, 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 I'm sorry, they were in Harlem. Yeah. And uh, like Fordham is over in the Bronx, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, uh, you know, one of my uh, my my law buddies tells me that Fordham is like one of the hardest law schools to get into, and virtually everybody graduates there becomes like a a congressional something something or Supreme Court person. It's a very small yeah, it was, law school, and it's, it's, it's incredibly it's, hard to get in. Yeah, and you know, it's got a galaxy of, of good graduate programs too. You know, it's a Jesuit institution. It's got you know good, a good reputation, and you know, well, I don't, I don't think you would have sent your son or daughter to Columbia forty years ago. I think you probably would now. I mean, it, that area has been. You know, you talk about this stuff, uh, Mike. When I was on the board of the CBO, I used to fly to New York a lot for we have meetings and stuff, and. And all of a sudden, one day, we're going to LaGuardia, and for whatever reason, instead of coming up from the bottom, 
we landed the other way. So we had we flew right over essentially Harlem, and I'm going. I don't care how long this is going to take. This this land's not going to stay like this. I mean, they had some of these gorgeous buildings that were like a couple of square blocks around, and, and the, the park area was like in the, in, in the inside, almost like in Germany, where there were the open open lands in the middle and not on the street. Everything like a big park. They had some gorgeous. The footprint was gorgeous in Harlem, and I'm just I was thinking. This, this is like Cabrini Green. This is not going to stay Cabrini Green forever, and it didn't. But Harlem, is, it's pretty much all gentrified now, isn't it? Well, I have no yeah. idea, Tom. But I mean, when you flew over it, you go, wait a minute, these guys got subways here, they got everything, they got L's, they got every infrastructure piece in the world. This is going to come back. It's just too valuable not to. Well, anyway. and the Clintons invested in Harlem, too. So, I mean, yeah. he built, he, he had an office there or something. I don't know what it was. Well, he was just he was barely over the boundary. He wasn't up in the middle of it, I don't think. But uh, I mean, I, I never went that far. For those that don't know, Central Park, the, the the northern boundary of Central Park is the southern boundary of Harlem, right? Isn't that right, Jen? Yeah, yeah. Spanish Harlem is over sort of on the east side of Dominican and Puerto Rican parts of it. But I know. And back when I was a little sprightlier, we used to go running in uh, Central Park. They they closed the whole park down in the afternoon for people to just go running and stuff. It was pretty neat. That's a, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, part of New York, some parts of New York are beautiful, but uh, we went ran around the reservoir that was in the movie. Was that Marathon Man or something, Dustin Hoffman? Mm. It was. Uh, that reservoir has been in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we weren't in a movie. We just ran around it. <laughs> it just, uh, so, Mike, uh, well, before we let you go here, because John's going to hang around and talk to Audrey, but what, in terms of the military stuff, do we have enough people? Do we have enough money? Can we handle. All, I mean, how big of a deal is it going to be to get rid of these goofy pirates? I mean, is that it's not like a whole fleet, is it? I mean, what is that? I think we'll be, in, you know, that will occupy us for a while because we we don't have the will to really respond. So, I mean, they need to do something. And the Houthis are still, or Houthis, excuse me, are still doing their shenanigans and we just need to kind of clean house there but the will is not there so it will remain a uh, uh, thorn in our side for quite a while well Mike we have a few minutes uh, we, we, you and I banter back and forth on this but I guess I want to ask you the question direct I mean if, if they got these pirate groups or whatever the hell you want to call them no good nicks okay out of uh, Boris Batonoff uh, what percentage the, the the rest of the population even know what's going on? They even know who these people are. I mean, even if if they're coming out of some port like Chicago, can you level the whole lakefront and and, and killing fifty of those guys? Do you kill a thousand other people? I mean, that that has to be a consideration when these are like splinter groups, isn't it? Same thing with Hamas. Well, and that's the, the problem. Is you know how much collateral damage are we willing to inflict in? Uh, the Biden administration and, uh, you know, the Trump administration before that, they don't want to inflict a whole lot of collateral damage because then you uh, then you make enemies for life. It's just like Israel has done with Hamas now. They, they've essentially turned the two million people of Gaza against them. So they're, you know, it's just going to be uh, very difficult for Israel to get out of that uh, morass of a situation. Well, I mean, I, 
I know we, we, we get the the military side from you because that's what you did. But I, ha- I have to believe that no matter who's in office, you know, be it Trump, Biden, God, I hope we get somebody else, but that there, that there are a whole lot of Mike Murphys around that give you the right analysis on stuff and say, if you do this, this happens. If you do this, this happens. But someday, somewhere at the top, somebody's got to be sitting there going, okay, my military's guys say that if we take out 50 hooties, or I don't know how to pronounce it, and and we and 500 other people go down with them, that that's, that that's quote, a, an efficient or good strike. It's still quite different for you to say go ahead, isn't it? Yes, and and anytime we wanted to hit something hard, we always had to get approval from the lawyers. And, you know, let's say, for instance, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You know, we didn't need to do that when we did it. It's just that, you know, Biden wanted to make sure we got out of there. You know, and Trump was part of that issue, too. He made the deal with the Taliban to get out. So it's it's unfortunate that we did what we did, but we could have done things much better in Afghanistan, and we still, you know, there wouldn't have been a uh, and and the intel guys us told them forever that you know the what, we were investing a lot in the in their armed forces. Well, their armed forces was a ghost army. So no one listened to the intel people, and they made, you know, big mistakes. But you know, that's that's my opinion on the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Well, Mike, the the, uh, the withdrawal did not go well. Obviously, um, did were the intel people, you being one of them, and don't speak out of school. Were you, and I think you guys, you guys, all knew the weaknesses of that particular army, but. I, everything I've read said that even the intel people thought they had a month and it disintegrated in like five days. Was the, was the rapidity of, of, of the, uh, the even the ghost army's dissolution, was that a surprise even to the intel people? It wasn't a surprise to me, and it wasn't a surprise to the guys that used to work with me. Uh, we had said that for years. We used to fight with the CIA about who controlled what in Afghanistan, and every year the CIA painted a much rosier picture than what we painted. And every year we lost because the CIA was kind of catering to the political elites. So, you know, these battles are fought all the time, and unfortunately, we lost because we weren't in the, uh, you know, in the, in the right. We we weren't for their agenda. Let's put it that way. Well, did I guess going back on it, was there any chance somebody could have done an orderly withdrawal either out of Vietnam or Afghanistan that the rate had collapsed, either one of them? Uh, Afghanistan would have been very difficult, and I don't know anything really about uh, Vietnam, Tom. We are just happy we weren't there. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, out of Afghanistan, I mean, once you tell the other side you're leaving... You can't expect. I mean, for whatever. To, to, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know how much. It seems like it's, it's it's either organized chaos or non-organized chaos. It's going to be chaos no matter what, right? Right. But uh, you know, operators wanted to paint a rosy picture at all times because their ratings were dependent upon the supposed improvement of the Afghan army. Our ratings, my ratings, were not 
you know, incumbent upon, you know, showing improvement in the Afghan armies. We had to see the threat. And the Taliban kept up their, uh, they, they remained a power in Afghanistan. And then they asserted their power right at the end. One final question, Mike. The, the people who were, quote, training and building, allegedly, the Afghan army, were they contractors or were they our own guys? Um, when I say our own guys, military. Uh, they, they were both. They were a combination, but for the most part, they were military. That's why they wanted to make sure that it, you know, that it went well, and the Afghan army was graded well, because their promotions depended upon it. But it wasn't the it wasn't the contractors. Hey, if we tell them we're doing a crummy job, we're going to get fired, or was it some no, of that? No, it wasn't so much that. No. All right. Well, I guess it, Mike. Thank you very much, buddy. We'll talk at you soon. Uh, by the way, who you like tonight? Oh, you know, your buddy Joel was on, and we missed talking to him. But uh, I personally like Washington. I I want to see those cheating Michigan people get, you know, chewed up on the field. Yeah. But I, I you think, think it'll the, be a good game. I, I, I got to believe Michigan's depth's a little better. But I but I don't maybe in one you know two weeks off maybe you don't. It's not a. Kevin really likes the quarterback. He thinks he, he's got what two ACLs. They said he might drop down to the point. Where the Bears could actually get him as a backup instead of who McCarthy? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. Just saying. Anyway, Mike, thank Did you. The Bears win yesterday? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, Their most valuable player is the field answer. goal kicker. They lost yeah. what fifteen to nine, sixteen to nine, something like that. Mm. Anyway, SP Futures up two seventy-five. Nasdaq Futures up thirty. John, hang around. We'll have Miss Audrey calling in a little bit. We'll be right back. make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen, Matt Burn on the board. SP futures up 175. Nasdaq futures up 28. Now futures down 111, they've come back some there. Because uh, Boeing's only down 1720 now, it was down 20. Plus we have a couple stocks that are up. Home Depot up two bucks. We've got uh, Microsoft up a buck 54. We've got American Express down a dollar 50, so a couple down, but not as bad as it was. Again, I like the multiplier there. I'll, I'll, I should find that out, but this has got to be over seven bucks there. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 41. These guys, these guys are moving a little more than they were a while ago. It's 0.2%, FTSE down 8.1%, kick around up 3, call that flat. So I'm going to say slightly the upside over in Europe. EK up 89.3%, Hang Seng down 310, it's almost 2% again. 16,224, Shanghai down 41, it's 1.5%, 2887. I can't wait to talk to Russell on Friday and maybe Hal tomorrow about just how bad how bad we can ignore these, these uh, problems over in uh, China. I mean... Uh, when, is it, when, if ever, is it going to hit home here? I don't know that we're home free on this. Uh, Friday, Dow was up 25, NASDAQ up 13, S&P up 8. So kind of a slight day to the upside, but up. Uh, we've got bonds unchanged. They were up a little bit earlier, but 404 is the 10-year rate. The Bund up 4 basis points, 2.18. Japan unchanged, 0.61. We've got oil down 250 after all the problems we thought we were going to have over in the uh, Red Sea uh, is actually down, back down to the 7131. Brent down 246, 7630. Natural gas down 14 cents, 275. Anybody who's trading this oil thinking it's going to go to 100 because of these crises, well, you're getting slapped back almost every other day. Arbob down 6 cents, 204. Gold uh, down 2180, was down 23, but still whack whack. 2028, silver down 20 cents, 2311. Copper unchanged, 380. We've got Bitcoin. Up 866, 45,062, back up near its highs. We got the U.S. dollar uh, down just a little bit. The euro is up 13 basis points, 109.6. The pound is unchanged at 127.2. Matt, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. It's currently 7.39 a.m. on January 8th, 2024. Uh, weather in Chicago currently at 33 degrees with a high of 36 today, mostly cloudy skies. Although a winter advisory is in effect starting at 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, tomorrow, we're expecting to have about 2 to 5 inches of snow with 30 mile per hour winds, so finally getting some of that uh, snow on the ground. Uh, down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly clear skies, 35 degrees currently, uh, with a high of 53 today. Freeze warning in effect for that area until 9 a.m. 
Yesterday in the NFL, Bears lost to Packers 9-17. This marks the Bears' 10th loss this season. In the NHL, Blackhawks played yesterday and won 4-3 against Calgary Flames. So for now, Chief, back to you. The, uh, Jan, we have Audrey? Yes, you do. Yes. Don't we have to we, morning, have to we have to teach Matt if, he, if he's going to be like a real weather person, whatever somebody else says, we're going to get three to six. You got to say six to twenty or something. You got, you got to constantly up up the bleeding because if it bleeds, it leads, right? Oh, what's this? This just in. One foot of snow coming in. Yeah, there you go. Just just yeah. at least one foot of snow. I'd turn back if I were you. <laughs> what? How are you? Everything good? Everything is good. It's uh yeah. I'm thinking I better. Uh, get everything I need today so I don't have to uh, deal with the uh, snow tomorrow. So. Oh, God, don't be out there buying, like, batteries and water and so What do people do with all the batteries? No, I'm thinking more about a good bottle of wine and a roast chicken so I don't have to cook. Well, there you go. <laughs> yes. What'd you, what'd you make, uh, you guys were listening, I thought what Mike was talking about was fascinating, the competition within the different groups and whose information gets paid attention to. I, I always sort of suspected, and you guys probably did too, that there's that kinds of goings-on in a big bureaucracy like that, but it's it's fascinating to hear, isn't it? I mean, really, Mike really comes up with some stuff that uh, I, I just find fascinating. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Well, I don't know if it's fascinating. I find it irritating, but that's me. Well, fa- fascinating and irritating, same way. I mean, it's, I guess it's a... Uh, uh, All the, the more government things you listen to, the more irritating it is. It's, I, I got to believe... I mean, I love, no, I'm, I'm not about it. I love listening to him, what he has to say, but when you really realize what's happening in the world, you're just like, oh, my God. Well, you know, it, it comes down to, and we'll give us a couple of minutes and we'll talk more about what I want to talk about, but it's it's funny, my last class or some of the last stuff, the things I went to that Milton Friedman was talking about, seminars and so forth, he he would he said that if he had time, if he could clone, that's his exact word to use, for a month that he would actually do some study, he'd always say rigorous study, and he actually thought that when you talk about these mergers and acquisitions, that once a firm gets so big, you know, obviously if you if you have a 200-person firm and you take over another 200-person firm, if your management's good, you can drop down. I mean, your human resources department doesn't have to be twice as big probably and other stuff. You, you pick up economies of scale. But he actually felt that at some level, it, it goes the other way. I mean, it, when... Uh, you know, uh, Bristol Myers bought Squibb. Like he thought, well, he would have said, I think, that Squibb is big enough to have all the economies of scale they're ever going to get. And if you double that, you actually get worse. Um, and I, I think the same thing economically would probably go for government. It, it gets so big when you have all these competing people in the place, you've got probably, what, four or five, you know, where's Mike when we need him, four or five different people. You got the NSA, you got the Army Intelligence, you got the Naval Intelligence, you got the CIA. At some point, it's got to be gobbledygook, isn't it? I mean, or not, or it's competing in who do you believe and who, who's your in. It, it becomes probably too big, don't you think? Just on, just on a, an economic basis, and even forget the political part. You know, do you think part of it's just that? I think it, it's just the problem. Government just grows. They never get rid of any. They don't follow a corporation rules to become efficient and, uh, you know, work with what they have and pare down. A corporation has to, you know, fix its bottom line, make shareholders happy. All the government does is grow is add to the problem. I, can you think of the last time that some government agencies were cut? Well, I mean, I, I think that a lot of the industries, you're, you're, you're talking about um, somebody like me from 
25 years ago where places were at. I mean, I wouldn't consider Commonwealth Edison competitive, would you? I think they're government. Same way with people's gas. And I mean, at a lot of these places, I mean, do you think Amazon's competitive to who? I mean, well, util- utilities at Amazon, I think, are, are two different things because Amazon is making money and utilities are supplying an essential service. So I think that, you know, again, there's too much of the top line. We probably use more line guys out on the street and uh, a few more trucks for emergencies than we can use uh, people in the office. Yeah, okay, so let's, let's, talk, let's talk real estate. Uh, haven't had you or Nancy on for a while because we've had Mondays off uh, with the holidays. What's shaking? Uh, is is uh, I know the last time I talked to Nancy, she said the mortgages. Even though you'll hear some stories about the market, you know the rates were down one week and applications are back up. I mean, she told me they're sure as hell not calling anybody back to work. I mean, uh, what's this, what's the state of the state, Ed? Well, it's quiet now. I mean, it's that time of year, October, November. Most people. In, in normal real estate times, most people want to be in for the holidays. They want to be home for Thanksgiving. They want, you know, their Christmas tree up, whatever. So you have that, which is a normal lull. And then, as we just we just talked about, you get things like a, a storm coming in where, you know, you're not going to be out with your buyers tomorrow when you've got, <laughs> you know, their, a snowstorm going on and 30-mile-an-hour winds. So you add into the logistics on top of economics. So it is quieter, but it was an interesting uh, statistic from this from last year that we just got is that the residential listings under contract uh, actually exceeded in just about every month the year before, and prices also exceeded in just about every month over the year before. So it has been very, very busy in spite of what's going on. So uh, there's still an awful lot of pent-up demand. Rates right now seem to be right around six and a half-ish. So if we get down to six, then with any luck touching the, the fives, it's gonna, it's gonna be, a, I think it's gonna be a good year, a busy year again. But it's just, uh, I'll point and see. It'll, Usually, you know what the unofficial start of real estate season is, I, I'm sure. It's got to be the Super Bowl. Right after the Super Bowl, because then the guys will get off the couch. There's nothing to watch. They'll go out and look at a house. Um, forced out. Forced out. <laughs> um, John, what are, you, what are you thinking about all this? Well, what's the inventory situation like? I know this is kind of a the wrong time of year to be looking at, at inventory, but um, as far as, you know, the other numbers, which are healthy, year over year, do you see any you know reason for optimism about the more houses entering the the pipeline and the the accessibility to a bigger number of borrowers and buyers is possible, or is it just going to be the wealthier people fighting over the ever shrinking inventory? Uh, I, there has been an uptick in last listings in the last few months, which is good because we are still hurting for inventory. But I think to your point, Jed, and again, Happy New Year. It's good to talk happy to you. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, I think that, uh, I think you're just going to be chasing affordability down, down for the people who have gotten squeezed on prices. So maybe your aspirational buyer. Well, you're, 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 you're coming away from the microphone. You're coming in and out. I'm the same place I was, but let me try. Is that any better? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's a Zoom thing. 
Okay, if you can't hear me, then you can. Oh, you're you're fine now. You're fine now. Okay, Uh, so I'm thinking that um, we're going to see the people who had bought maybe the house for two fifty or three hundred seven or eight years ago, who now maybe have expanded their family or just want to get another house. And normally, with the increase in price, that three hundred thousand dollar house is probably four and a quarter now let's say so they might say wow we could go get that six to seven hundred thousand dollar house now but i think what if i've seen happen before is instead the trickle down kind of thing that you're going to get your people who could afford let's say a four hundred thousand dollar house who work their way up or a first-time buyer now but now you're getting people who are going to buy the six or seven hundred thousand dollar house and go you know what that's just too much money let's just drop down 100 200 instead of getting our dream house let's settle for our second best dream house so i think you're going to see this a squeeze on inventory in the lower price range that's that's always a problem because you have first-time buyers trying to get in then you'll have additional people who got priced out of what they really want but still need a house so it's going to be an interesting uh turn of events what uh what do you guys i'm going to switch gears a little bit here but i as you know i i uh well, I just keep constantly looking at these numbers, and it, it's kind of frightening. I, uh, for those that don't know, Chicago Auto Show is in a month or so, and it's usually the biggest in the country. There's always been a, well, I don't know about the COVID years, but they, they what did they draw? They used to, used to draw a odd chance of a million people close. I mean, it, it, the place would just be oh, mad yeah. for 10 days. Yeah. And it's a very blue-collarish, not that, you know, other people don't go, but... It, it's always a very blue collarish thing, and the auto dealers in the city, of which you know Odd's uncle used to be one and cousin, uh, you would brace for probably the best six weeks of your year after the auto show. I mean, people would go over and they'd sit there fanning every car, decide, well, I want an Oldsmobile, I want a Buick, I want something, and you'd go to the dealer and you'd, you'd buy the thing. And uh, now COVID made it a little different. Uh, Odd and I used to have fun going to the. Uh, we had a client, uh, Jan. Uh, he was in the Philippines, right? The what? A doctor? What? Uh, was he, doc, uh, yeah, that was a group for the Chicago Lung Association. Yeah. The, first, the first look on the, before it opens. Yeah, and uh, by the way, they, they got a fight with the, uh, with the was it the, the national thing, so they couldn't call themselves Illinois anymore. Anyway, but uh, John, it was fascinating. We'd go, and everywhere we talks, and the ladies were all dressed up. And uh, it was the night before, and it's the biggest charity event in the city. And you got to wander around and sit in all these cars when you know the rest of the world couldn't. It was just just you guys. Uh, but anyway, we would go and the Jeep Jeep always had this huge test track and you could do all that stuff and ride around in a thing, the four wheel drive track. Well, this year Stellantis, Stellantis, just just out. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. So you're talking about no Jeeps, no Dodge trucks, no Chryslers, no Dodge. And I don't, I can't imagine that. The only thing I can think of, John and Audrey, is. The people that go to the show can't afford them anymore. That you're yeah. gonna—the only time you're gonna be in that hundred thousand dollar Jeep is on the test track there. That the chances of those people walking out with those people, us people, walking out and walking into a show a showroom and saying, "I'll take that one for a hundred grand," are zero. I think I, I think the the chance—I don't think they get anywhere near the bulge they used to. And Lance is just pointing that out. What what's the point of of having all these? Middle class, lower middle class people show up to see of our cars. We know nobody can afford it. Right? I mean, is it? And I just wonder if if that same thing is hitting the four hundred thousand dollar house. That's the median house now. I mean, 
I mean, Odd, you've, you've, you've been very successful, and you, but all, most of your people are, are trading houses. People, like you say, that bought it at 200 now it's worth 350 and they sell that place and buy another one for four, right? It's, I don't know how you, you start from scratch at 415. It, it, it just seems like a lot to me. That's the most entry level now in a lot of areas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a and, and with the insurance costs going up and the taxes going up, I mean, I, you, you can't you can't have any money left over for a beer for God's sake. And both both couple both parts of the couples better be working, right? When's the last time you, you sold a house to well, not retired people and stuff, but how many families only have one income anymore? Is, can you get anywhere with one income? Very few, unless they're. Uh, you know, making a bunch of money, uh, but most people have uh, two in- income earners in the family. What did Nancy tell us that there's now two and a half? Where if one of them is an accountant, they're doing taxes, and uh, somebody's working part time in addition to having a full job, and the other one's work. How do you raise kids like that? For God's sake, there's no reason uh, for that. I think it's tough. I think it's very hard for families. I don't know how they do it. Um, yeah. It's, so, what do you think? There's going to be a, an okay. You think these prices eased? I don't see how they. I don't see how they go up too much from here. Let's put it that way. I don't see how, unless there's a massive increase in income, I don't see them going to five. Do you, on average, from four ten? I I don't know. I don't know who could you'd really price people out if you did that. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, it, to your point, the interest rate is going to keep a damper on some. But I've seen people put some houses out there that are ridiculously priced. But to your point, they're also still sitting there too. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting. Interesting year, that's for sure. If you had to put a number on it, Debody is where where do mortgages rates settle in? Where people say this is going to be normal for the next ten years? I mean, uh, five and a half, five and three quarters, six. I mean, I don't think it's going to be three again. Do you? Oh God, no! What do you think, Jed? I think six, um, and that would be good. But if, if it were, I think what people really want to see is some stability and not you know creep. Or, you know, or shooting up and you know having to abandon plans when they, they've got a, you know, a design I want to buy a house in the next year or so but if, if interest rates look like they're they're unpredictable um, that's going to make me wait longer not to do anything so if people see a, a period of stability in, in interest rates and it hovers around six I think that'll be a good thing well isn't that if you went back 60 years isn't that sort of the number five and three quarters six six and a quarter yeah. Yeah, that was that was my student loan rate too, six percent. So that was, that was doable. Think, that was, yeah. I think the biggest biggest stumbling block is the people who have the three and four percent mortgages are going to be a lot harder to shake out of the property. Because yeah. why would you? Oh, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna double your mortgage payment. Why would you do that? Well, well, that's the the uh, the weird part economically is because of. A lot of the stuff Aud has explained to us, who the current buyers are, are there people who maybe have already owned a place, they, they participated in the inflation, I'll use that term. They they're, uh, they could play the, the piggy move-up game, but if you were to say to anybody that, you know, well, anybody who went to school when, when we did back when, you know, whatever, uh, if you were to say, boy, mortgage interest rates are doubled, what happens to housing prices in the next two years? You wouldn't get anybody in class who didn't want an F to say they're going to go up, right? But they right. sort of have. Or they certainly yeah. haven't come down. I mean, some areas they have. I mean, some areas, I mean, you've had 
big drops in like the, the place that were really ahead, right? Or like San Francisco and those kinds of places. There's been drops there, but there really hasn't been any drops here. I mean, if if, if it is, it's been flat at best, right? Right. But, but you, I was talking to uh, one of my good friends, and uh, uh, and he was he was talking about the uh, the same discussion I had with a couple of guys on Friday night. You almost get to the point where it, it's almost for some people it's like funny money. On Friday, I don't know who was on. Was it uh, Carl? We said we really should. Whenever we say how people are doing, we should split it and say, "Here's how the top five to ten percent is doing, how the rest of us are doing." And uh, we're, and uh, some of this guy John was telling up talking about this lady who bought part of the uh, what's his name's basketball team. Uh, who's, who am I talking about? The guy who's always on TV. Uh, I have no idea. John, you know what I'm talking about. The guy that San Antonio. Man, help me with this. I'm having a brain. Mark Cuban? Yeah, Mark Cuban. He's, Mark he's sold Mark part Cuban. of his, his, his... To the lady who has... Who has Las Vegas Sands. So she spent, you know, whatever. 200... Is it 200 million or 2 billion? Whatever it is. Some huge number. Um, she bought 50 or 60% of the team. Man, why don't you look that up? See how much she paid. It was, and now, my, my friend said, you know, she got the stock from her dad, okay... And because he, I guess he croaked, so she didn't have to pay any of the taxes from when he got the stock. She got it at the market price, which is an amazing benefit to people that are that are wealthy. Why, you know, why nobody pays any of the capital gains tax ever on that stock? I, I you know, just because somebody dies, you get to pay, do it for free. It's crazy to me, but uh, so what difference does it make? It's it's two billion dollars someplace or whatever the number is, and you use it to go somewhere else. I mean, it's not even money. I mean, I. I'm not, I'm not blaming her. I mean, I, in some parts of it, I guess I'm jealous. But it's not like she had $2 billion in $50 bills if she couldn't even stuff in her bedroom, right, and realize that that's what she paid for this team. There's no, there's not even a number to it. I mean, some of the people odd that you have done stuff with, these are these are like regular people that bought a place for like 180 sold it for 380 or 4 and bought another place for four and a quarter. It doesn't, it doesn't even occur to you that this is the two people working. This is like how many years work? <laughs> you know, this is according to NBC. He sold it for uh, 3.5 million. Billion. Billion. Yeah. Billion, you're right. And it's yeah, what, yeah. 60% of the place? Did he, some number? Around that, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's a number. But how do you even, how does a regular person even realize they spent that? You couldn't fit that in your new car, could you? 3.5 billion? I'd like to try. Yeah. <laughs> Jan? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got little space to fill up. Yeah, you you you'd pack those hundreds away in the closet, nice and tight. Oh God! Did did we read? Oh, you went on the show. How, how many years ago? I actually read some article. About how many hundred hour bills you can actually fit in a C one thirty if you're taking it over overseas to give it to somebody? They had it down to the exact amount of hundos. How many how many went on a pallet, and how many pallets you could stuff in the thing and stuff? It was, it's crazy. Perfect problem for you to solve. That's yeah, you, so, you love that drug, stuff. Drug dealers can afford for, to make those studies, Tom. They have to know those. Things. Oh yeah. So, Johnny, any more questions for Audrey? I got a minute or two. Well, it, I think you know. Are you seeing any um, big fallout in the job market among the people you talk to, where they've had a, a significant disruption in their income or? Livelihood in the last year, or are expecting one to happen. John, you or must be listening. Yeah, let me yeah, interrupt yeah. for a second. John must be listening to Friday's show. Despite the the hot two sixteen number that came out of the establishment, 
what it was minus nine hundred thousand a household survey. So yeah, that's what Chad's asking you. Well, have you seen any of that? Is the household survey proper, and have you seen any of it? I've seen a couple of people that I did not expect to get laid off in uh, the IT field. And that's something that uh, you know before kind of like the medical field you're kind of bulletproof and um that seems to be interesting well of course we've seen all the layoffs that you know a lot of the the tech stocks have had and it seems isolated but it's been happening in a few places around here and i, I think you know between rising minimum wage um ai there's going to be a lot of people that are redundant you're just not going to need them anymore and i think it could see a consolidation of workforce over the year, over the coming years where we're going to have more people than we need. I agree. I agree. Well, we're we're canning all the Metra agents in the stations. You can't go buy a ticket anymore as of next week. Yeah, no more ticket windows. Yeah, Isn't that scary? Wow. Are those two people really sucking up that much that much money? I don't think so. Yeah, it's really... The uh, the times I've seen people at Union Station and Ogilvy Center trying to buy tickets who are new to Chicago have no idea what Metro is or anything else. You know? Well, it's just like going to the airport, and if you haven't done it before, you and I was the first couple times, well, when you got to like print your own bag, luggage tag, get it out of mm. the machine. Now, that's a great YouTube video if you just sit and watch people do it who've never done it. <laughs> and oh. it's, so you got to print your boarding pass, print your own uh, little luggage tag to put that on, and uh, you still get yourself on the plane. So... There's less and less service, and less and less need for people, and there's going to be less interaction, and I think it's going to be a really strange. Sight. I say we we fire people up top. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I'm with you. Great. But nobody wants to can thyself, do they? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> John, thank you. Odd, good stuff as usual. Matt, nice job. SP futures up two. Nancy futures up twenty five. See if we can hang in there to the upside. What do we got? Boeing. Boeing's down eighteen bucks. What would that have uh, soured your your willingness to fly if the door blew out next to you? <laughs> I'm not a big flyer anyway. So between uh, you know who's going to be qualified to fly the plane and the doors flying off, I I think I'll just drive. What do you think about the fact that the two cell phones hit the ground both still work? I would say I have to buy stock of that company. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob.